0: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in our Bitcoins we got' them. acquire never sell, but catch us rolling deep like a down. Chains cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, main
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to. The Bitcoin Podcast, episode 182. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number
2: three, Corey. Hello, everyone. And today, Hello. we have a special guest, a new guest, Tina. Yeah. Tina, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us uh, where you came from in the crypto universe?
3: Sure. Thank you for having me on the show, first of all. My name is Tina, and I am located in Portland, Oregon. And it's really just weird that I said the word located. Like, why didn't I just say the word live? Anyway, <laughs> anyway I was actually first introduced to cryptocurrency through an old roommate of mine. And we lived together for about three and a half years or so, and this was back in like you know the early days in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, and and he was talking about this Bitcoin stuff. And at the time, I thought it was just like super shady and really like not allowed and illegal. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is just crazy. So I didn't ask many questions, even when he was sending. Fiat in the mail and getting all these computer parts. And I just completely did not ask any questions. I was like, I don't want to know. Fast forward to today, where I'm not living with my roommate anymore. And I'm sure he's off doing very, very well somewhere. Um, My husband actually got into it about six months ago. And when Power Ledger started, well, when Power Ledger started making announcements, or their one announcement a couple months ago, In November, that's when I started to start dabbling in it. So I regret not doing it earlier. And well, here I am today, better late than never. Uh, Professionally, I have my doctorate in clinical audiology. So I serve as like an administrator, also as a clinician, but I also do research as well. And that's why I'm really interested in the blockchain and cryptocurrency, because I think that when we talk about doing our research, there's such a potential for what exactly does that mean? And are we actually conscious of the decisions that we make to drive our decisions when it comes to selling, hodling, or buying?
1: So as a, as a researcher, that can only mean that you're kind of an advocate of doing your own due diligence. You're, you're not one to throw money at a coin before like reading a white paper. Am I right?
3: That is Correct.
2: I actually I appreciate that. Like like coming from a research background myself, I've watched your current YouTube video you put up about like. Not only are you just saying do your do your due diligence, you've given someone people somewhat of a framework to figure out how to do their due diligence and what maybe to prioritize, or at least how to get their own thoughts in order so they could put it all in one place and make somewhat of a more intelligent decision based on the thoughts that they've already had, as opposed to just being scatterbrained and going on a gut feeling of like, eh, charts look good, I'm buying now. Exactly. Yeah, just like, you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Well, sure. The great thing about any kind of chart, and this is a very, very primitive chart that I just made on Microsoft Excel, it looks really ugly and it's clunky, and ironically, it took me at least an at least two hours to make. The great thing, however, with Microsoft Excel is that it's modifiable. So in this chart, I listed all of these different parameters that could be used, and they just happen to be parameters or criteria that would pop up on my radar for things that I believe in or reasons why I would want to buy, sell, or hodl a coin. Um, The great thing, though, is that it's modifiable. So... I think the bigger point with using and having this chart in front of us is that it does bring a visual awareness to our decision making process. Because sometimes, let's face it, I think we, well, me, guilty as charged, uh, I am a researcher, but when I first started out, and I talk about this like it was years ago, but in reality it was only three months ago,
0: two, (laughs) two to three months
3: ago. But when I was first starting out, there were a couple decisions, like very snap, quick decisions that I did make, and it wound up burning me in the end. So I think the more we're aware of the decisions that we make, just having it here at the conscious level, and then actually thinking about it and being involved with it. So that means, yeah, spending maybe about 20 to 30 minutes going through and identifying the criteria that matters to you, adding stuff that you care about, deleting stuff you don't care about. I think the more that everyone does that, the more, as, the more we, we as a whole crypto community can make better guided decisions.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of tough to do nowadays. With the, I think it's easier to do in situations like today where we're currently at. The price is lower, and people have relaxed. Um, there, it's not all about Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Um oh. people are like you know, <laughs>
2: love people. those days. That that past yeah. month, like, yeah. pretending, pretending the past month was like a year. Right? That's, a <laughs> month, guys. Let's uh, see it's what like happens. You,
4: it's like when you pour a soda. Or maybe a beer and it's got all that fizz at the top, like you got to let it settle down yeah. um, yeah. start getting into the actual drink and enjoying the actual. That's what I feel just happened is that we had a bunch of fizz. You don't go from $9,000 per Bitcoin to $20,000 per Bitcoin in three weeks without getting a little crazy. Right.
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, you know, this is still new for me. I've only been doing this for about three months. So I was actually thinking about it, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I was thinking about this yesterday. I was talking about this with my husband, but I was like, I wonder if people like journal. Like, not only do they document things on an Excel for reasons why they make decisions, but I wonder if they journal like the feelings that they have when they make these decisions, because. Because I was going back through looking at some posts from these communities from last year at this time, and everyone was saying the same thing, And, and then, you know, 2016 was the same thing, same pattern, where you had that downward trend in January going through into a little bit of February, and I'm just like, geez, you know, I wonder if people journal their experiences as these rises and falls occur, so that way they can brace themselves in the future, and they can be like, you know... Dear Tina, in 2019, January... If the prices happen to fall, it's going to be okay. Just toddle, or whatever the case be, because I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> talk we, do to yourself. Get, yeah, we do get, <laughs> talk to my future self, because we do get FUD, and it's so easy, especially with social media. We just go on, and these crypto communities, Facebook groups, Twitter, it's all just blown up with FUD, and it's so easy to get caught up in that in a split second, and I think sometimes we just need to take that step back and rationally think about it, go back to our decision-making term, to be like, okay, what do I do at this point? Do I use the same criteria that I used before when buying, when it comes to hodling? Um, and I think, um, you know, be aware of our feelings and, and know that it's going to be okay.
1: That's such a, a good idea like a like a Bitcoin diary like you know a dear Bitcoin diary currency. March 5th 2014 I'm I'm so bored with the price dear diary <laughs> December 2017 I bookmarked a Lambo dealership website Yeah, that would be really interesting to just kind of thumb through all these entries on how someone exactly. felt
3: Exactly exactly you know I was watching a documentary about a month ago on Netflix and I was it netflix either way i'm really bad because i forget the name of the documentary because i've watched so many youtube videos and and different kinds of clips at this point they all sort of blur together after you've dove in deep into the rabbit hole Uh, but anyway this this um it was a documentary and it was about this guy who was um he started mining bitcoin back in the day and charlie shrimp no, but it did feature him in the documentary. But this was another guy, and I don't even remember what wound up happening with him or what his name was or if he made it big or if he's just fallen off the face of the earth. But uh, he was mining Bitcoin, and he was just going through over the course of, I think he started making, or his brother, I think, started making the documentary in 2012, I want to say. And it went through the course of, like, I think a year or two years or so. Yeah. And it was crazy because... It, when you at the beginning of the documentary, he's just talking about the price rising, you know, up to like ten dollars, and the and and so on. That's uh, and, the big money. Yeah, and then at you know at the same time that following year, he's talking about it possibly hitting a hundred or a thousand. And I mean, here we are today, and I just think, oh my gosh, what are we going to be saying at the end of this year, or the end of twenty nineteen, or twenty twenty? I mean, I, I think the possibilities are crazy.
1: Yeah,
4: I think yeah, price is going to do what it does it always does what it does a, i'm a, glad that so what, did think,
1: what did you think of her excel list cuz i know you're you build a lot of excels and you don't <laughs> i think you like i would expect <laughs> you to build a couple but. you
2: build a lot of excels you know you do excel stuff
3: oh i, I so do excel stuff a lot oh, okay. Dee does
2: he does as well Dee is a is also a, a, a excel extravaganza
3: you probably yeah. could bring my Excel to life and spruce it up because it's pretty hid, as in hideous, right now.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, I recently found like a Microsoft Project. My world is over now, so I've I've trumped Excel for for Microsoft Project. Um, but
1: Chella, what are you? What are you asking me exactly? Like what? <laughs> What excels do well, I? There, do? I guess two parts. <laughs> like, like I, I would expect you to throw like crypto excels at us every week, but you don't. But you, you yeah, know, you yeah, saw, I you saw, you know. Oh, do you? I, and maybe I'm just not a part and of you the guys conversation. Just
4: don't <laughs> download them or even
0: look at them <laughs>
4: at all. Actually, so I'm glad that we can air this out uh, so everyone can hear. I actually throw <laughs> lots of Excel spreadsheets at you guys, and you just don't look oh, at them. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I could count at least eight that I've sent you guys in the past two years. Just as like a, just like a, just tur- just took a turn for the awkward now because now people find out that I'm making a bunch of Excel stuff for you guys and you don't, you're not using them.
2: Yeah, but you're also so. like the uh, the idea man that like throws about 16 ideas at you and then maybe one of them <laughs> is worth <laughs> even evaluating. You
3: know. I heard a funny story. That's what story. I'm guilty of. That's yeah. what
2: I'm <laughs> guilty of. Somebody, I was talking
4: with a good friend of mine last week, and he's like, You know who the ideas guy is? And I was like, I mean, who? What do you mean? And he's like, He's the guy that comes and he shits on your desk. And I was like, What? <laughs> he's like, Yeah, he comes in with this great idea, and it ends up just being a pile of shit on your desk that you've got to work through. And
2: that's the ideas guy.
5: Everybody has an yep, idea. That's you. Guy. That's it, D. <laughs>
2: All right, Tina, I got a a question for you. Uh, It's clear that you're excited about crypto. Why? What is it about this space that you think is worth spending so much of your time with?
3: I think that, well, there are a couple aspects to it. There's the science aspect and the technology. Blockchain technology, I think, is definitely here to stay whether that means it's in the form of currency or smart contracts or whatever however this unfolds over the course of years i think that it has implications for healthcare for example and i'm super excited about some of the coins and icos that come out regarding healthcare and patient information so i think it it definitely has promise it's sort of like social media you know people started ripping on social media saying facebook is stupid I mean, even MySpace, but MySpace, I guess, when we were doing MySpace was pretty cool because, I mean, that's just what you did. But then Facebook came out and there were all the haters. But slowly and surely, since 2004, when it was created at Harvard, over the course of time, it just became more and more and more popular. And now we're sort of at the point where we see that younger generation that's a little like, well, I'm 34, I don't know how old you guys are, but I feel like... The, like the teenager generation, like that range, they're not using Facebook as much, but they're, they're switching now over to like Snapchat or Instagram, and they're using those platforms more. So I think the same is true with blockchain technology. I think that the platforms or the mechanisms in how they're used will change over the course of time, but I think it's definitely here to stay. And even though there are so many haters right now, I don't even know if they know what they're hating on because it's a difficult concept to wrap your mind around and actually understand. So there's that. Um,
2: that's, this- that's, that's that's a good way of putting it, I think, as in terms of like, uh, I, I would agree with you on that. It's the people who are hating on things more often than not is just based out of ignorance. Like wh- whenever I ha- yeah. talk to somebody who doesn't like it, is skeptical, is like thinks it's stupid... Uh, and I spend a bit of time with them discussing, like, why do you think it's stupid? Well, okay, that's you know, that's not quite true. This is actually how it works, or like this is something that you know, like you have a, you, there's a there's a misinformation here. You don't understand this part, like, oh that, uh, oh I can see that. That makes yeah, that makes exactly.
3: Sense. Actually, quick tangent to that, real quick, is that. I've started like I, I almost want to call it like coming out of the crypto closet because at first, you know, when I dove in deep in November, which is again only like two and a half months ago, I dove in deep and I was like keeping it as a little secret. It's just like, hey guys, can't hang out this weekend because uh, I just got stuff to do, <laughs> you know. But now, now I'm like starting to be I'm starting to be real about it, and I'm coming out of the crypto closet. And so, in doing so, I'm starting to talk to my friends about it, and most people don't know what it is yet. And they're like, what I've, I've literally like even people in the healthcare field, even people that have a good science background or tech, well, maybe not necessarily tech, but good science backgrounds, so you don't know about it. But the people who do know about it, I've gotten some like jokes and some hate already being like, ha ha ha, you're gonna be a hacker next, aren't you? And it I think that there's the stigma that still exists that <laughs> that cryptocurrency is for like criminals and for people who break the law, which I get because of the Silk Road that said i am a regular normal person and i feel like it's up to people like us to normalize cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and it's up to us to talk about it and not have it have this stigma that's associated with it um anyway that's my side tangent i know the original question was why am i excited about it i think um and, and there are many other reasons i'm excited for cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and one of the reasons why I invest my, my time, right. In my resources and literally my money into it is because I literally view this as being a really fun social experiment. And I know that sounds really, really messed up because, you know, people invest so much into this, but that's how I see it. Right. Because you only put in how much you're willing to lose. And I sort of look at it like a cool little, you know, well, what if, right. Because if the the chances of the prices going up the market cap going up between now and 2020 if if they're high right or even not that high let's say let's say more likely than not prices and the market cap will go up at the end of 2020 compared to it'll be higher at the end of 2020 compared to like the 20 uh, the end of 2017 just last december to me it's worth it it's it's worth that 51% chance and I think it's just really cool because you have this mix of people coming together. Like cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, it's, it's, it doesn't have a face to it. You have people literally from all over the world coming together and investing well, in projects that they believe in.
4: It's funny you say that, is it, it, it's, it doesn't have a face to it. It didn't have a face to it. Um, it's getting a point to where it does. And I wanted to like touch on a point that you made. Uh, That whole coming out of the crypto closet thing (laughs) is that, you know, there was a time when people only thought crypto was for people doing bad, nefarious things, you know, like, and what's funny is that as the the more the time goes on, that argument gets more and more stupid because it's like, you know, if if there's an article that comes out and says like Bitcoin and crypto is only if you need to hide that you're actually... Uh, a huge drug dealer, but yep. then you look to your left and like your cousin and your uncle and your brother and all these people in your life that have everyday jobs and do everyday things are actually using crypto and believe, I'll put that in quotation, in crypto, uh, then you have like a real life anecdotal argument to some yep. BS article. It's like, that's yeah. not tr- that's not true. Like, even when I first got into Bitcoin many moons ago, I was a school teacher at the time, and all my teacher colleagues were like, what are you <laughs> doing, man? Are you breaking bad? And I was like, are you serious, man? <laughs> like, we we spend almost all day together here at this school, and on the weekends, we're getting together to make lesson plans. You think I got time to break bad? You think I got time
2: to cook meth? Like, yeah. that's well, not... <laughs> I got to hide it.
3: I got to make sure I do this
2: in the DL. <laughs> yeah, so um well, i remember when is, i first I was the first one to introduce bitcoin to uh d which who then introduced it to marcello and when i first started talking about it like i was i was doing my phd and i would be like d you gotta you gotta hear about this this is really awesome this is cool and you'd be like this is garbage yeah look, shut this up is monopoly like, we to money. live together like, you're, you're, this is monopoly money none of this makes sense and stop talking to me about it and i was like well i'm gonna keep talking about it and eventually you're gonna i'm gonna sell you on this and like maybe like I don't know, a year later, he's like, uh, this is pretty cool.
0: Well, I actually
2: read the white paper. <laughs> That's the difference. Is that
4: the first few times you were telling me about it, I was like, dude, if I wanted to go around and like scanning Monopoly money and handing it to people, I would be doing that myself.
2: It may yeah. be because I was <laughs> bad at explaining it at the time. And I was so excited that I was just, just saying buzzwords or saying things. And like, I would probably said it in an overly technical way that didn't make any sense because I was... Because that's just kind of the way I do things. or And <laughs> just like, all right, well, whatever. I'm going to keep playing video games. You keep doing whatever the hell you're doing in your
1: bedroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, my whole life was weed in video games until I came into crypto. And now I'm like, there's purpose in my life.
2: Uh-oh.
3: Well, you know what's really funny, right? So you know how I talked about not going out on weekends? Because, you know, I'm a very social gal, and I enjoy, like, you know, I, I my husband and I, we live our dinky, if you've ever heard of that acronym, it's dual income, no kids. Loving that lifestyle, right? And so <laughs> we still go out on the weekends. Until crypto, stuff. right? Until I dove <laughs> deep into the rabbit hole in the best way possible, because now it's like you know you you just don't want to be drinking and cryptoing at the same time, because that could result in some really poor decision making.
2: So, so yeah. the I'm beginning of this, you own, the I beginning you. of this podcast, <laughs> we used to do like every ten episodes when we first started was a drunk episode, and so we would literally, <laughs> we would li- quite literally drink and do crypto, and. Those Were are you, like,
3: literally f- making trades, too? Like oh, no, no, no. We, ever,
2: we never really talked about trading that much on the show. Like, the yeah. price hasn't been the focus of the show, but it's, it's, yeah, trading and doing crypto, you end up with some, like, weird things in your wallet in the, the day because you, like, get, convince yourself that this is the new thing. You wake up and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Oh, it's like,
3: man, what did I do last night? It's
1: Tron like, almost that, got me.
3: It's like that, <laughs> like, hashtag morning after. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You wait. You that, wake up in the morning and you lift your sheets, and there's a hardware wallet with Tron on it. That's the new. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That's great. How did that That's
4: get awesome. there? How did that get there? Oh no! Where, where all my Bitcoin and Ether go? And where does <laughs> Tron come from? I think
3: I I'm pretty responsible in the first place, but I mean, for that reason, I I. You know, I am definitely way more responsible now. Not only that, but you want to be coherent. Like, I don't know about you guys. I probably check my portfolio a little too often throughout the day. But, like, I want to be coherent when I'm, like, looking at what's happening. And I want to have a clear mind about what's happening. So that way I can... You know, just think about these things clearly and make the right decisions, um, rather than just again <laughs> being under the influence and making a poor decision this, about this is, something.
2: This is what's interesting about the space, I think, and, and one of the few things I don't get to think is talked about too much is that, like, what you're talking about right now is you would like to have sound, rational mind when you think about your finances, but right. like crypto is isn't like. It's it's now bleeding the line about what finances like. Usually, when you're like when you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I got to balance my checkbook. I'm going to figure out my budget, make sure that I can cover all the things I need to do for the month. I'm going to do that on a Sunday morning. And it's going to be boring, and uh, I just got to make sure that I do it and I get it done with, and it's over. And now it's like it's just it's kind of pervaded into everything because everything any in, in, in that's related to a blockchain automatically has an association of economics with it. And when you get into this space, you start thinking about money and what your money is doing and how it interacts with the other stuff that you care about almost nonstop. And so like you, you kind of have to start thinking about money in a new way in order to be kind of to fall in love with this stuff or at least to understand it. And,
3: you know, I totally, totally agree. In fact, so for me, I grew up in a, like in a very modest income household. I grew up that way. And to me, it, like money was, I mean, we, my family, my parents, they had money, and it was just enough to get by. So fast forward through college and grad school, you know, I just have all of these loans, like student loans, like ridiculous student loans that yeah. I'm going to be paying off forever. <laughs> yeah. And, ever. and it, it's hard for me to, I, and this is probably just a combination of my personality. Maybe it's a reflection of being ish. I don't know, but the concept of saving in general, to me, has always been such a bore because I'm a carpe diem type of gal. Like, that's the philosophy I've always lived by. And especially when I have bills to pay and I have student loans to pay, saving has never, ever, ever been on my mind. And granted, I know I have some of that stuff set up through work and that's awesome, uh, but I don't pay I never have paid attention to it. Now, however, I have to say that being involved in the space, it has definitely opened my eyes to how I spend my money because sometimes guilty is charged, right? I have, I like shoes and I like bags and I like clothes. So, um, <laughs> now, you know, I'll be going through it. And the reason why is because again, like I'm, si- I'm finally at 34 years old. I'm finally at that point where I have like income that I can spend. And it's pretty cool because it's never been like that for me. So, so now, you know, I'm, I'm going through and I'm like, oh, you know, I could get these new pair of shoes that I'm like salivating over. Or I could put that money into crypto and I'm making, you know, the crypto decision. Again, I don't have a ton of money in there, but I have enough that, you know, I'm interested to see what happens over the course of time. Yep. So for me, it has definitely influenced the way I think about money. And the way I've been spending my money. And that's all just happened in the past two and a half months.
4: Yeah. I think that some of the mass media outlets should be paying attention to what some of the other social implications are happening with crypto. Is that now an entire generation is excited about saving money and investing. I don't care what it looks like. Like, it looks ugly. Like, when you go on Twitter and you see cartoons that are posting technical Chart. I'm going to put technical quotes. They're posting technical charts and doing a doing a dance. Whatever the latest dance craze is now. I don't know what it is. And sound like that an old man, man. <laughs> <laughs> that?
2: You're like 32 years old.
4: I've seen some shit, Corey. Okay, I've seen some shit. But. And so now you've got a whole generation of people that are excited about saving. And you know what? It's starting to wake up some people, like Robinhood. They said, hey, people yeah. like to save and use our app. Right. How about we let them save other things, too? I mean, it's very subtle behavior changes like that over yeah. time. And then the next thing you know, you've got this this paradigm change. You've got yeah. people thinking about things differently. And that's the exciting thing because we actually witnessed people our age specifically – People like our parents who were told, do the awesome thing, get 401k, build yeah. out that boring ass <laughs> retirement plan. And then in 2008, guess what? They lost 50% of all of that time and hard work, st- storing up all those uh, nuts for the winter. Somebody just swooped in and took half of it. And we're like, yeah, sorry. We know we told you to do this thing and it didn't work out. So now you got an entire generation yeah. of people. Who don't trust that so much anymore yeah we're gonna have it because it's like a fundamental you just you just have it so you know you can avoid lots of questions down the line but just doing that isn't gonna suffice anymore and now that there's this whole new crypt this whole new asset class that people are excited about saving excited about investing in, even if you are buying tron cello it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. It doesn't matter. You're excited <laughs> about the idea of building wealth into the future. And maybe that's the spark that was needed. And that's the spark that mainstream media and traditional incumbents aren't recognizing yet. They don't see that, like, oh, people are excited. We can we can actually use this and leverage this. No, they just see, like, oh, they're going to spend money without us knowing about it. Oh, yeah. shit. You know, so... It's, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the one thing that gets overlooked.
1: I'll get off of my uh, soapbox now. You guys can have it back. I'll push it back to you guys. Well, should we, uh, should we throw it to the interview? And then, Tina, you want to stick around and uh, yeah. we kind of close up this episode? Sure. All right, this is... Uh, uh, I don't want to mess his name up, but it's Luis Cuinde, who is is rep in Aragon, and they are a platform used to create decentralized companies. Um, and he's a lot younger than I thought it would be. But he That's is cool. smart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, dude smart has guy. been doing smart stuff since he was like 12 years old. He, yep. he, he knows what he's talking about. I would not take his age as a marker for his ability to do things.
4: I was talking about the whip and the nene. That's the dance I was trying to get out of. Oh. <laughs> Even though it's like three years old, there's got to be a new dance. Swag surf. Anyways, here it is. Interested in cryptocurrency or blockchain technology? Or maybe you want to know the hype surrounding Bitcoin. Tune in to the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Since 2015, it's a daily collection of long-form conversations in the form of podcasts where the world's leading thinkers and doers give us a slice of their perspective. With over nine shows on the network, look for talks on crypto, tech, security, global issues, and more. Visit the Bitcoinpodcast.net or find us on Spotify
1: Guys, here we are with uh Luis Cuende in Aragon, a project that aims to disintermediate the creation and maintenance of organizational structures by, you guessed it, using blockchain technology. Uh Luis provides the tools for anyone to become an entrepreneur. Uh and Luis, whether you realize it or not, I think you've been on our network a few times via other shows, but for those who are just core fans of this podcast, uh could you tell us Kind of a a bit about yourself and the journey that kind of led to where you are today.
5: Sure. So I've been always working uh, on open source projects. Um, And back in the day, I remember getting into Bitcoin like 2011 or so. And it was evolutionary for me, uh, not only because of the financial utility, but of the freedom that it gives to people. So I've been always a programmer and I got to start making products and stuff that i think made sense for for the bitcoin and, and crypto ecosystem. and one of the few things that i um well, worked on during that period was uh, the first or one of the first time stamping services after of existence and others uh, which was called the and still ongoing and it basically times time to stop on the blockchain because you know back in the day we thought that was going to be huge uh, now we have like smart contracts and a lot of different applications that make that seem very simple and almost stupid but back in the day it was kind of living edge. um so so yeah that was it I, i've been in the bitcoin ecosystem for a long time and then i got into the Ethereum ecosystem and i've been uh working on that for uh, almost a year and a half with aragon
2: so you were you were one of the first um icos in the entire space and i i remember when i was when these were happening, it was at the point where if someone did an ICO, everyone saw it, and I was interested in the distribution of tokens during these ICOs and like how, like maybe I don't want to say fair, but like what type of people were investing into these things and how much were they contributing compared to everyone else, and it was heavily one sided as most VC things are, but there's still quite a bit of inclusion, which was different from traditional investing. Can you can you talk about like what that means in terms of if what 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 does it mean if a lot of people hold your token? Um, like sorry, if few amounts of people hold a mass percentage of your token.
5: Well, in, in our case, it is especially important that there is a wide distribution because we are like ANT a governance token, and so for governance, there are few mechanisms that don't require voting that most of them require voting, like democracy, for example, even liquid democracy. And so you need to have this sort of very wide distribution in your token holders. And for us, I mean, it's not a challenge right now, but it will be in the future. And I mean, we were very, very happy because in our sale, um, I think more than 2k people, something uh, k people got access to the token, whereas in our sales, like VAT, for example, only like 100 people got in and stuff like that. And we also try to be very fair. Like, for example, our pre-sale was like a hundred K dollars and we made a blog post explaining like why we needed that money before the sale to actually, you know, go and, and make the sale happen and all of that. I mean, today we are we are seeing like pre-sales of like twenty million dollars, so I feel that that's a bit. Um, but back in the day, or in or in our case, we always have tried to be refer to the community and say, you know, if we gave these terms to these five people that got in the pre-sale with a you know twenty percent discount, it was because this this this, and it was only a hundred k dollars, and that's it. Um, today, people are not doing that anymore. I feel like they're doing like twenty million dollars pre-sale without justifying anything, and that's. That's
2: shopping. I would agree. <laughs> uh, how do you? Like, I guess we didn't even talk about this, but like, can you explain that the core concept of what like, Aragon does and why the decentralization slash blockchain play of it is important for making it successful versus like traditional solutions? <laughs>
5: Sure. So Aragon basically lets you run a decentralized organization and we provide uh, both the framework, like the smart contract framework for you to create your own apps to extend your organization. And also we provide like a beautiful interface in which you can interact with the smart contracts. You can uh, create tokens, you can give tokens to people, you can give permissions to different members of your organizations uh, to, you know, the amount of uh, funds they can withdraw and how they can interact. But you can also do governance, which is, uh, I feel, one of the most important parts of it. So we want governance to be very uh, decentralized because we think that governance is one of the things that are very flawed in the world. I mean, both at the small level and also at the macro level, like, you know, the U.S., for example, choosing Trump and stuff like that. Um, so, and I mean, the only way you can do that, the only way you can deliver truly decentralized organizations to the people is if they can organize with their nation state and without uh, like corporations and third parties. So, what Aragon provides is just a way to organize people using blockchains and everything is open source, transparent and free to use. So you don't require any third party who is actually like owning your company or whatever, like it happens today with nation states. Yeah, but you think that crypto needs corporate adoption
1: or or, or, or wait, the community believes that crypto needs corporate adoption or banks to use it or government not to censor it in order to be successful, but you kind of think it's the other way around, correct?
5: Yeah, totally. I think, um, you know, if, if governments actually censor it and it still works, then it proves that there was a need. Uh, you know, uh, for Bitcoin or crypto in the first place. Um, so I think that that's actually good. Like, for example, we could shut down our, um, like, all the Visa crypto cards that we had at Aragon and also, like, the personal ones. And also, like, everyone in the world basically got their crypto cards shut down because Visa decided that, you know, they like they could not participate in the economy anymore. And uh, without any prior notice. And so that's, for example, I mean, like, I'm not happy about that because obviously if you use them, you would like to continue using them, but on the other hand, it's great because it represents that we cannot depend on decentralized solutions because one day they cut you off and you're done. Um, so, so that is very important to me, and it's very important also uh, to think about these new concepts of crypto, for example, these new kind of organizations that are emerging, these new token economies uh, that wouldn't be possible in the corporate slash Silicon Valley startup world, and we have to embrace that instead of just crying out to banks to like i don't know uh, use ripple or stuff like that which doesn't make any
2: sense (laughs) ian you got some?
6: yeah i just so it, it sounds to me like your your sort of first target for big adoption of aragon is going to be sort of the startup business space do you think that's an accurate representation of what you'd like to target and
5: uh yeah so there, there is. Uh, we see the first of all, the first target are going to be crypto projects mainly because they have this huge uh, number of token holders, and you know they raise that money to in their token sales to actually create something for the community. But now most of the funds are held by like two or three people in a multisig, um, and also governance is pretty much centralized. So our first target is actually uh, are actually crypto projects uh, out there that want to have decentralized governance for their holders. In the second target um, it's going to be open source projects, basically, because they have no way to monetize. Uh, you create something today, and you can either like raise VC money, or you can do a token sale. Um, but sometimes, neither path is correct. Sometimes, something should be run by the community and funded by the community. And right now, that's impossible, because um, open source doesn't really have any sort of... Um, Business model, and we believe that by creating governance tokens that decide on the fate of that open source project, people can trade over them, can invest in them, by therefore funding the project, um, but also uh, you know taking governance and influencing the governance of that open source project. So that's an important target. And then I mean, startups are also an interesting target, but I would say newly created for startups because of. Uh, it's very hard to migrate a conventional sort of legal startup to, like, this crypto world powered by smart contracts and stuff that accountants don't understand at all. Um, So I would say newly created startups. Like, people on the Internet just wanted to jump on and start things together.
2: So without... I mean, I'd like to try and... Humanize or bring things back to reality as much as possible when, when interviewing people and you've been around the space for long enough to have a legitimate opinion on this or some some valid advice for people like what what have been some serious setbacks with the technology as you've tried to build out Aragon and and um, doing this because what you're trying to do is very difficult and automating this very difficult human process has had to have a lot of problems can you explain some of that
5: yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a shit so uh, because you get into the Ethereum world and everything is so complex that a lot of teams are working on like thin, sort of thin layers of the stack. But then you realize that some of those teams have not been very competent because, uh, I mean, with the current sort of lack of scarcity in the crypto world, a lot of developers are used like, you know, kind of hanging out and forgetting about everything and just checking their, uh, you know, crypto balances or whatever or buying lambos. And so we had to basically take on a huge part of the stack that we didn't like to focus on in the first place, that we've been, you know, taking that part of the stack, because no one else is working on it. So, um, I mean, you think about decentralizing organizations, and that requires a lot of different layers, uh, you know, down to, down to Ethereum and scalability, that's something that we are super worried about, because Ethereum right now, I mean, and CryptoKitties uh, was the demonstration that Ethereum is not scaling very well. Um, I mean, it is scaling very well to what we like to the blockchains that we saw before, but to the demand that is happening due to smart contracts usage and a lot of dApps, it's not really scaling. So we have to also worry about that. So you really have to worry about a huge stack of uh, problems. I mean, I always try to say um, that we are trying to deliver a rocket to Mars while changing the engines like every single week. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, I keep going. I just thought that was funny.
1: Hey, Corey, I know uh, I, I don't know enough to talk about DAOs, but I know you do, and I know DAOs is something that uh, Luis is going to start uh, focusing on fully. Did you have anything to ask oh, sure. in I regards could, to
2: I could, that? I can go to town on this. Uh, yeah, so like, the original problem with the, with, with the DAO, the, the notorious one, um, this, like, outside of the vulnerability in the smart contract, was that it, its actual funding, its voting mechanism was flawed. It didn't incentivize people to vote uh, properly or fairly. How, how, are you, how are you taking that into account when doing governance inside of, inside of Aragon? Are there multiple voting mechanisms? Can you kind of pick and choose to do things modularly? Is there? Have you looked into how to like properly make sure that um, votes are fair and meaningful? Like, how, what, do, what do you do there?
5: Yeah, I mean, right now, and that's, I would say that the, like, first challenge, most important challenge that we have is making sure that, uh, like, decentralized governance actually works, and there are many parts to that. And one of them is use uh, experimentation, like, you know, humankind has, like, uh, obviously only tried out, like, two or three governance models, which are, uh, like, you know, like dictatorship, obviously, which is a very simple one. Um, And then things like simple democracy that, you know, don't actually work in a lot of countries. Um, So what we are going to do here is we are announcing this sort of program next week in which we have a lot of crypto projects in. And we are going to try different governance mechanisms with our token holders. So some of these projects may have very uh, wide token distributions um, with like... Uh, different, you know, kind of uh, demographics, and we're going to try different governance mechanisms, like liquid democracy, uh, or simple democracy, or even things more advanced, like futarchy, like governance, by prediction markets, and see how that goes. We're going to throw real money, so um, if things work, that real money will not get lost, and if things don't work, we will basically be losing money. Uh, So we are very incentivized to kind of make that work, and then we're going to open source all the research that we do, Um, but I think that, like, governance research will take a few years until we have very, uh, at least a couple of years until we have something tangible, but until we have it, like, I mean, and when we have it, like, decentralized governance and making governance more efficient means that you're making everything more efficient. Like, imagine, uh, for example, a government, like, if a government has better governance, um, it can basically outcompete any other government. So, I think it's very worth it, like, the time and the experimentation and the money that we are going to pour into it so you t- you
6: talk a lot about uh, politics obviously, and I think a lot of the the founding ideology of, of Aragon is based in <clears throat> traditional politics rather than business so you said that your initial target would be new startups or people in the crypto space at um, trying to achieve a, a fair governance model um, but in the realm of politics what is a what does a realistic adoption path look like for you or what is the end goal not not the end goal I feel like that's too large of a question, but what is a realistic path to adoption for? community management outside of the crypto space outside of the business space but just simple organization of humans
5: yeah i think um you know like for politics and just organizing uh groups together and having them govern themselves like a village or a town or something that I think that we are going to see two different trends. One is uh, that geographical location will not matter anymore. So you will have, like for example, in my case, I think I'm a citizen of Ethereum more than I'm a citizen of like Europe, for example. I I I think I belong more to Ethereum than Europe. Um, so I think that will keep being very very strong, and we'll see these sort of like online communities or sects in which people really feel part of them. Um, and then we're also working with a couple of, like traditional governments who want to experiment with this because, you know, uh, crypto creates very strong like jurisdictional competence, like uh, sort of competence because people have to compete with each other uh, in order to like attract this uh, influx of money that is coming from crypto. So, for example, Switzerland is a very crypto friendly country. And, and I mean, we are totally open to working with countries like that to see if we can implement like, for example, fair voting. Um, because a lot of countries have this problem where like voting doesn't work because it's very easy to forge, uh, versus fake. So that's another path that we're trying to take.
1: And uh, when I first introduced you, I, I said that you guys kind of provided the tools for anyone to become an entrepreneur. Uh, but th- these are specifically tools to build apps, but using your UI toolkit isn't mandatory. So how are you keeping the experience integrated within the app? if? they aren't using these helpful tools that are necessary. What was kind of the decision behind that?
5: Yeah, so I mean, you can obviously like, use Aragon and like use the Aragon contracts without using the UI that we have. Uh, but we just wanted to provide this sort of toolkit in which like, any entrepreneur or any sort of like person that wants to start an organization has it very friendly to do so. Um, so as an entrepreneur, for example, uh, if you want to Create a new project, uh, you can create new tokens and sort of like that tokens can represent the um, sort of like, uh, you know, a stake that each person on the team has with the project. And then you can grab like the fundraising app to do a token sale. And then you can, uh, you know, use a voting app to give your token holders power over the funds that you have raised. That's a very simple example. Um, So for doing that, we thought that the best way to do it would be to create a UI toolkit. So uh, not only the contracts are very standard, but the UI language is very standard. Um, mainly because UI is very important in this world, because if you sign a transaction that you don't want to sign, you could be sending all your ether away to a random contract or some attacker. So it's very important to have this sort of like UI um, uniformity where in, uh, or at least the core concepts such as, for example, identities, Ethereum addresses, all of that, Look kind of the same and behave the same because if not, it's very to do phishing attacks or other kind of attacks. So that's what we're taking for now. I don't know if that will work. Uh, we'll know when we launch the new version, which will be out probably in like a couple weeks.
2: Ooh, uh, new version out in a couple of weeks. I've I've been playing with Aragon um, like alpha for ever since you launched it. I've I've always loved it. It's just a matter of like I just I, I wait for it to become more and more useful. So I hope maybe we can we can move over our back end as a podcast and organization to something like that. And that's like I've I've I'm waiting for something to exist that I can use instead of trying to build like there's too many projects going on right now that are trying to build their own platform and not leveraging or helping the people already doing what they need to do. And how have you felt with um, maybe collaboration or partnerships since your since your beginning? Um, as people try and help you build things as opposed to just building the same damn thing on a different platform. Because in order for all of these things to work in the Ethereum ecosystem, you need a certain amount of collaboration because it's synergistic. Like you are the like, you organization with Aragon while you do something else with something else that's built and things like that. Instead of we're building a platform, everyone should build on top of us because if everyone does that, then no one builds on top of things and you don't get to hit synergy. What type of like relationships have you Built or grown since you've kind of been doing this, and how have they leveraged, like, help you do what you do better?
5: Yeah, I think there are a couple of relationships that we are having with both projects that are building on top of us, which also helps because they provide us very valuable feedback, and also things that we want to use our projects that we want to build upon for certain things. For example, for voting, uh, doing voting on chain is very expensive and doesn't really scale if you have like a million people that want to vote or something um so we are looking to uh you know use solutions like through it for example uh, to off-chain to do all the transactions off-chain and then set up one single transaction on chain or things like that so that's been the sort of collaboration or the theme of, of kind of collaboration we are looking into uh, there is a lot of I mean the the meaning of partnership in this space has really deteriorated over time uh, because a lot of projects use it for like, you know, basically marketing. marketing. Like you go to Google offices and you are like, I don't know, you use Google Adsense and you just take a photo with the Google guys, like, hey, we got a partnership with Google. And that's not the sort of thing we're 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 doing. We just want to like, you know, sit down, work with developers and build the stuff together. So that's the sort of thing we do with projects like through it.
2: You got some.
6: Well, one thing I wanted to to ask, and it's not directly related to that, but in terms of in terms of making these partnerships, I guess a question to you would be: What does usage look like by someone who's not a part of the crypto community? Like, what is what is your ideal um, use case for someone who's just trying to start an organization? And how much do you expect them to know about crypto or um, Do you expect it to be the kind of application that people can just pick up and run with it?
5: Well, I think that's there's sort of learning curve and the learning curve will uh, change over time because, I mean, our target, like years from now, is that an entrepreneur in Venezuela, for example, can beat up and without knowing anything about crypto, um, we can... You know, we can let them create an organization. Uh, well, we can let them. It's a very about wording because we don't have to let them. We don't have to let anyone do anything. They can just download the code and use it. Um, so that would be the sort of goal that we have. But of course, like until we arrive there, like maybe crypto people will be the first users. Um, but I think it's it's really a UX problem more than anything. Um, there are another couple of technical problems. Like for example, in Ethereum. Like paying gas, it's uh, it's um it's a very high like cost to pay in an, in some countries. Like for example, it's starting a DAO right now in Aragon. costs or uh, will cost around ten dollars with current gas prices. I mean, ten dollars is not money for a lot of the world, but it is it is very real money for a lot of countries, so a lot of people can afford that. So I think it's a mix of UI plus UX and then like a couple of technical problems like which is basically uh, transaction. Fee. Uh, which
6: goes coupled with scalability. So, in in more along the lines of a partnership question, what do you think would have to happen in the crypto space in order for, you know, quote-unquote, lay people to feel like they can pick it up and trust it and run? Like, what other companies in the space do you think complement what you're trying to accomplish?
5: Well, there is there is a stuff. for example, having crypto on mobile phones would really help uh, and sort of having a very easy interface like WeChat, for example, because WeChat, like has completely taken over China because it's very easy to use and people use a lot of mobile phones. So, brave like uh, Status are very interesting for me because they enable this sort of like mobile interface, which is very easy for people to get. Um, it's, it's just, or even like a chatbot interface in which you're just like, doing a very few, very simple actions, and you always have the full context of the action you're trying to do. Because that's something that really scares me, like people doing transactions without really knowing what they're signing. So I think this sort of like very um, mobile interface makes a lot of sense, and also like there are places in the world when they primarily use mobile. So I think that will be um, a huge milestone if we can get people, onboard people with, uh, you know, in Ethereum you're just in mobile phones cool
1: Corey. anything any other fly balls to lob or should we hit him with the 10 questions
2: hit him with the 10 questions i I got got Uh, something hold on before we go here uh what are you excited about in the entire like cryptocurrency ecosystem because right now there's there's a tremendous amount of hype there's a tremendous amount of focusing on trading and making money and and like how to evaluate projects so that you could make money off of them. That's not, in my opinion, like what brought me to this space in the first place. What excites you? What what like what is it that that's going on right now? Or where do you see this space going? That that gets you up in the day to continue making Aragon.
5: Yeah, I mean, I could talk hours and hours of, like, the stuff we're working on at Aragon, but I guess, like, I already talked about it a little bit, so I will talk about other projects and other stuff that excites me. You um, both, we don't care. To, <laughs> yeah, We're uh, running right. over both. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing CKs and Rx in Ethereum, uh, so you can have anonymous transactions, and... I love the sort of privacy space and all the work that the guys at Monero and Seikas and other uh, like privacy-friendly coins are doing. So I'm very excited by that. Um, I'm also excited by uh, like scalability again. Um, it's half excitement, is half like we totally need it. Um, and then I'm excited for other projects like, for example, Keep, which is adding a privacy layer to the blockchain. So you can, for example, like uh, decrypt a uh, some data. If something happens on chain, so you can have like a testament switch, for example. So if you like die tomorrow, automatically uh, your private key can be transferred to, uh, to some other address uh, on Ethereum or stuff like that. So that's very interesting. Um, and, and then obviously, like the holy grail for me is decentralized governance. Like how, uh, and that's where I think the advantage to the like traditional world will really be. Because the moment that we can coordinate millions of people around the shared goal, and we can remove that monopoly from this state because right now the state is the only one that can coordinate people at scale if we can remove that monopoly from them i think that will be a, a huge milestone for crypto so i'm really looking forward to that which also requires anonymous voting is bringing us uh kind of back to cks narcs and sort of like privacy friendly coins uh so i think privacy is, uh something that really excites me this year
2: that great answer Couldn't not- I, I like all of that. I think that wraps up nicely with um, the interview. Chella, you want to hit him with the 10 words or less?
1: Yeah, and not to put words in Luis's mouth, but he said something really great the other day. He said, if the price drops 90% tomorrow, would you still be in it? And if the answer is no, then crypto probably is not for you at the stage. And I agree with that. Um, but yeah, the, the last thing that we'll we'll say is, uh, in 10 words or less, can you describe the blockchain?
5: It's a cert ledger year um, in which you can trust because the transactions are mathematically sealed and crypto incentives are set sera- up sera- sera- in a way that that happens. Uh, and I don't, I, don't, I don't have more words. But my co-founder at this time is an amazing definition of blockchain uh, that I think is recognized by the W3. And, and, and that's the proper definition. My definition here was probably just too bad. Yeah, it, <laughs>
1: It can be an amazing definition, but if it's over 10, you get an F, unfortunately. But <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
2: Yep. We'll see you around, and you're welcome to come back and uh, tell us the updates that will definitely keep coming from Aragon.
5: All right. Awesome. Take care. Bye.
4: And we're back. That was the interview with Luis Coende.
1: Point the base it like that, but no, <laughs> Luis Coende. We don't have any sponsors, so we can't do Coende. stupid
2: shit and make and make uh, like you know like jingles and stuff like we used to. So like all of our all, of our all our goofing off has has been put to the back burner because Number we don't have anything either. to goof off with. We will I feel although like we do have sponsors. We have a sponsor, but we have to wait until they announce
1: it's the their platform before oh, we start. Right. So um, you can say Coinde like the guy from BitConnect. Go for it. No one will get mad.
4: <laughs> Quinde, Quinde, Quinde. What's up, what's up, what's up,
0: what's up, <laughs> what's up what's,
4: what's up? Anyways. Um by the way, before we go into the detail. That guy, Carlos Matos from BitConnect, the BitConnect guy, his cover photo on Twitter is the Medellin drug cartel. What, why does he think that's cool? Why would subtle. Why would, any, why does, <laughs> why would not, anyone think not that's cool?
2: subtle. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to invest in this guy. This is yeah. what I want in my life. This can't go <laughs> wrong.
4: And then you read his tweets and he's like, I'm just a very, very happy, fun guy that loves to be happy and fun and thank you for the money. And it's like, What? This guy is a this guy's an enigma. This guy's an enigma. Anyways, yeah, go go Twitter, go tweet
2: Search don't, don't give him don't give him more exposure. He doesn't need it anymore.
4: What's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> he deserves some exposure.
0: <laughs>
2: Let's not bring attention to people who don't deserve it.
4: If anyone ever said that to me in real life, I would kick them out of whatever room we were in. Like, if we were trying to have a meeting and someone Even if you're in, like, a stadium, What's you up?
2: need to leave the stadium, please.
1: Yeah. We're done here.
4: What's up? Are you guys ready for this football game? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's
1: up? Get out. Well, even if I was going to buy a car and the salesman said that, I would just leave the dealership. You don't greet anyone that way.
4: Zero percent. 0% interest, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? What's up? <laughs> okay, that's enough.
2: Done, All right, Tina, you, you were getting into something before we started recording here. Why don't we go back into that because that was relevant to cryptocurrency in general. So,
4: <laughs> What's up, what's up? What was you
3: saying? <laughs> oh, okay. so I was talking about how, um, or if, and if so, how much do current events, specifically in the United States, influence the market cap or do they, you know, we think about the stuff that happens over in China or India or South Korea and all, well, I think Japan's okay, but you know, we, we talk about, you know, what happens if they start making regulations over there and then all the flood breaks out. But, um, one thing that I've noticed, and it's still probably because I'm new to the space, so I don't quite have that history. One thing that I've always wondered is whether or not Cryptocurrency is influenced by the U.S. market cap and events that occur in the U.S. So, like for example, tomorrow's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm like, you know, I wonder if if that could play a role in in the market cap. If you know, maybe prices could go up, or maybe maybe the market cap might go down. And one of the things, actually, and this is a little down the jump. Well, this is actually really unfortunate, but Super Bowl Sunday is actually accompanied by. Uh, human trafficking and the reason why i know this is because i serve on this board that that is uh we strive to end the cycle of violence against women and children and i never knew that the super bowl was affiliated with all of that behavior um that's happening behind the scenes how is it
2: affiliated yeah not
3: necessarily affiliated i used the wrong word there but like there's uh, like a
2: like (laughs) is it's coincidental or like there's a, a correlation between human trafficking and the super bowl
3: but um it it tends to happen uh, more frequently, for example, on Super Bowl Sunday because it, it you know, I guess it's part of the culture somewhere, you know. And um I, I just wonder if if you know if the space could be influenced by by different things along those lines or by different events in the United States. Um, and I think at the end of the day it doesn't, but I do always wonder because, you know, I, I've been watching lots of YouTube videos and a lot of, um, I've been listening to different podcasts and I, I feel like some people shy away from dating a podcast or from dating or, um, a YouTube video or from talking about, you know, happy new year. It, and and I always thought that was interesting. And I wonder if it's because people don't want the information to be correlated to current events in the United States or if it's just something that's not relevant.
2: I, well, at least for us in terms of making content, we try not to to put too much date on what we talk about so that the content is more evergreen and relevant to whenever someone wants to talk about it. Uh, but you know, with, it's almost impossible in this space because when you say something, you know, like the next week, it's it's obsolete. So, yeah
0: nope. uh, yep. Uh,
2: but I think there's uh, the the role that America pl- plays. It isn't on a surface level. Like there will be if there when they're when and if there is, sorry, when there is some type of regulation, it will have an impact immediately. But th- that won't be the majority of the impact that actually happens. It's because when they start to I mean control the flow of how people build things associated with blockchain and then how then the end user interacts with the things that are being built based on regulation. When they try and try and maybe stifle that flow a little bit based on regulation, then it ultimately shapes the way the technology pervades the people who use it and said this this just this country. And if that's the case then the money that kind of pushes that innovation and development goes elsewhere which means it just changes a lot of the economics and how things work within this own country and and our access to it like for instance like a lot of what the icos happened last year was um the u.s regulation regulatory kind of framework around it was fuzzy so as icos started happening they started being Basically taken out of the realm of accessible to Americans unless you were an accredited investor, which limited the amount of people who can actually, who can actually do it if you lived in the US where everyone else is like, it's free game. We don't care. And so that then limited like the inclusive, inclusivity or inclusive nature of like who in this country could have access to the things that were happening at the bleeding edge. And that's kind of the way that it ends up shaping, in my opinion, what, how the US regulates this type of stuff is it's just how fast can we adopt to it and then innovate and be leaders in the entire space. Cause if we, if we stifle it, it's going to go elsewhere. It's not going to stop. There's no way this is, this is just going to, you know, stop and end. It's just going to happen somewhere else, which limits our ability to be at the head of the curve when it happens.
3: Exactly. And actually you brought up an interesting point that made me think you know, it, it it made me realize another reason why I just love being involved in the space. And it's the idea that you just brought, you just like basically caught me up. You answered my question, right? First of all, because again, I'm, I'm new to the space. So that was great. But when you were talking about it, I also realized, wow, like all of us who are involved regardless how long we have been involved or what our preferences are what coins we we invest in we're all literally making history together so when you just gave your blurb right now and your explanation of how it used to be and how that regulation occurred i'm like listening and i'm like oh my gosh like this uh, these podcasts are going to be
0: yeah,
4: these are the, like journals the next you're years. Yeah, about.
3: these are, I mean, we're serving as historians in a sense. And, and, you know, remember when we were in school and we had like textbooks? And we would <laughs> like read textbooks? Like, I, I almost wonder if when we talk about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency 50 years in the future or 100 years in the future, are they going, they're probably going to use podcasts like these to be able to recount the history, which is amazing. I hope Just that they're all
1: a- listen to the Bitcoin podcast when they do that. That's awesome. episode like 11 when we flip out when the price was 250 bucks. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> like, that'll give is, you
4: some scope. This is an yeah. interesting
2: like kind of building on that thought and which is something that is is interesting to me because we've been here for a long time which means we have kind of the the, the biases associated with how this like what the narrative was when we started is still kind of at the back seat of how we view a lot of this stuff. And since you're new, I've noticed that when you talk about this stuff, you never say bitcoin. And when we started, when you referenced the entire space, you said bitcoin. We're called the Bitcoin podcast because when we started, there was nothing else. Right. So we, that was the obvious choice because you wouldn't say anything else because no one would understand what you're talking about. And okay. now, mm-hmm. like when you talk about the space, it's very different. And this is what we tried to try to, you know, prognosticate they're way they're back then. Was what are people yeah. going to be calling this later on down the line? Are they going to call it Bitcoin still? Are they going to call it blockchain? Are they going to call it crypto? Like we didn't know, and you are living proof of what the answer to that is. It's like the ant- when you refer to the whole space, you don't say Bitcoin because it's clearly not the only thing going on.
0: Right. And I
2: think that's important to kind of take note of, is because back you know, even six months a year ago, we didn't know if that was going to be the case, and we were yeah, re- curious about it. I
4: th- I still say it's a slippery slope, though. Yeah, it's a slippery slope because it gets it gets to the point where people are like getting way, way be behind buying tokens to get access to a database, like to an Excel spreadsheet. Like that's
2: it's a it, is it muddled?
4: It, it's a slip. It's a yeah. It's a slippery slope before we go from like decentralized, uh, distributed technology. That no one owns to, like, yeah, it's it's totally okay if I buy a Best Buy token. I to- I'm totally okay with 100 of the decisions that Best Buy makes.
2: Well, that's part yeah. of the problem, in my opinion. Like, it's, <laughs> like, I mean, like, this is something that I, that has probably bothered a lot of Bitcoin maximalists along the line is that the technology is moving away from the original ideology that pushed it. Like, the what, the early starters of this whole thing were cypherpunks. They were kind of anti-government. No one can tell me what to do. We need to have a technology that's completely trustless because that's what our ideology needs to exist. And slowly but surely, as the technology got better, other people started trying to use it for different things other than what the originators wanted it to be used for. And that's why Bitcoin maximalists hold on for dear life for a lot of the ideals that they have is because they need it to use for their ideology but then enterprise got a hold it's like we can use this for our better back end to what we do and banks are like you know what we could do that too and they said like, no, no 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 that's not what this is for I'm like well fuck you i don't care it's better for what we do we're going to use it that way and so i'm curious to see like who tries to hold on to their vision of what this stuff is supposed to be used for and how wrong are they going to be in the future because you really can't just say that you need the to be open I to all things just-
4: the reason I say it's a slippery slope is because if if it gets too far away from that and we ended up just creating level level 50 middlemen with blo- using blockchain, then it's usually the entity with the most money that decides the way the thing goes historically. Or the entity that wants to make the most money in the future is going to build the infrastructure for the direction things go. That's... That's just how it works. My favorite analogy in the world, the automobile, wouldn't be shit unless somebody went to the US government and was like, we can make a ton of money if we make sure this technology proliferates. We could build roads. We could, we could, there's oil. Like somebody built that roadmap for our country in order for us to get so behind the automobile like we did and get so far out ahead of everyone else. So, if there's people right now making the argument with our country that it needs to go this direction, separated from Bitcoin, which they currently are doing. I don't know if you've turned on the news CNBC any time lately, but Bitcoin is never mentioned. They just talk about the price and they talk about, yeah, you use Bitcoin um, when when you don't want to be found. On to the interesting stuff, and that's blockchain, baby. Like, that's... Those, reasonable, reasonable. those people, are, the people are already doing that. And so that's why I was like, we can't get too far away from that because then we end up finding ourselves on USD token and we don't even know how it happened. We're like, wait, how do we get all this? How do we get all this USD token? And they're shutting down my wallet? I thought I had the pri- Oh, this is a blockchain and they have the permissions actually. And they shut down my wallet so I can't use any of my money crap like it can't get too far like we we, we can flirt with it but we got to come back at some point to like okay guys it has to be decentralized it has to be distributed nobody can have control you have control of yours i mean it's just we, i'm just saying we can't we can't get too far away from bitcoin we gotta we gotta have some connection there
1: i like how you can say the word shit and proliferated like really close <laughs> together <laughs> shit
4: Yeah. shit Oh, anyways, I want to talk about correlations because that's how that whole long conversation started. There's two correlations that have been found. So, apparently, I read this thing called the McClellan Financial Publications because I'm that level of boring now. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I can't believe I said that out loud. Anyways, so <laughs> Bitcoin's price is an eight-week leading indicator for the Dow Jones Index. Oh, So on the last one, two, three, four, five, six significant increases or decreases, what I mean by significant is greater than uh, or equal to 15% increases in the change of Bitcoin. It preceded that increase in the Dow Jones Index. Eight weeks, like, to the dot. So the last eight weeks, Bitcoin's been falling, and look what happened yesterday to the Dow Jones Interesting. Interesting indeed. And there's another, <laughs> <laughs> and there's another uh, correlation. The FANG index, which is not a real index, but what millennials are forcing to be indexed, which is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, I call the FANG index. That has a greater than 0.75 correlation to the movement of all of the cryptocurrency market. So those things move in tandem. Correlations are interesting. I don't know the causation. I'm just saying,
0: yeah, some agreed.
4: Correlations that have been found. So if you take it, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, look at those four, average it, and put it next to the price movements of cryptocurrency, you got uh, you got some uh, correlations going on there. So,
2: all right, should we wrap up? We Tina, should wrap. up. Final thoughts.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I just I love talking about this stuff. I mean, who doesn't? We I love. Mean, the we people. think about it. We we <laughs> think about it. We think about it all. The, well, I think about it a lot, right? So, might as well just talk about it and be in a good community surrounded by people who also believe. Yeah. Thanks yeah,
1: for coming bug. on the show. Uh, Twitter, Tina and Pearls. Um, YouTube will your YouTube uh, Excel. I'll put in the show notes. Anything else I missed?
3: That sounds great. You
1: got a shout out. Uh, you give a shout out to anybody?
3: My husband's for. Her- Convincing me to get involved.
1: Yeah, good job, hubby. Hey, let's just shout out my wife. You Girl, never shout out your wife. Shout out to my actually. wife. I know, Tina. Wow. Okay, put me on the spot. Bad husband. <laughs>
0: shout,
1: out. shout out to my wife. <laughs> sure, um, whatever. Shout out. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Shout out to my wife. She's fine. <laughs> we do some things
4: we want to let you guys know about. So first and foremost, uh, we're having some technical issues with Slack, but the actual link to get to our Slack which I hope you use, is on our Twitter page, and it's pinned there. So click on that link, you'll get an invite to the Slack, and then you join the Slack, and it's like a whole new world up in there. It's a whole new world. I'm, I'm probably overselling it, but, you know, you should join the Slack and talk to us. Yep. Um, Corey half-writes blogs and then completes them later. Yep. He's got a yep. few half-written blogs ready to go. In fact, I am with Cello on this. We should just incorporate that into our blog and just call it
2: Corey's half thoughts
4: um, <laughs> and let people go with the rest. Like, I got
2: a really good one on hashing idea. right now. It's, 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 it's pretty much completed. It's just been sitting there for like four months.
1: It's just, a high just... level choose your own adventure blog.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's perfect. That's perfect. Just, just let it half and then let people yeah. choose
1: what the rest is.
4: On their own, let their imaginations take them,
3: and then they can uh, go on Slack and complete the story.
2: There you go. I that think we guys, I think we've come up with something here.
4: I think we did actually just make Turn something.
2: Turn my laziness into into actual product. I appreciate that. <laughs>
4: Corey's half thoughts. High
2: level. Choose your own adventure.
4: That's
0: great.
2: <laughs> um, what else do we do? Um,
4: Twitter. Case, find us
2: on Spotify. Find us on Twitter. Everything yeah. that podcasts were there. Yeah. If you oh, Google search Bitcoin podcast, that's us. It's so it's really hard to to miss. Yep.
4: For, for the first oh, time in history. You,
1: yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say if you're using Spotify but you're not using premium and you get ads, you might listen to an ad that we created. It's that's cool. right. Well, We're exactly. breaking this-
2: it's it's way way more professional than we are, so that's good. I people, think are, gonna, people are going to listen to that and be like, Ooh, that sounds really good. It sounds professional. And they listen to us and be like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think D going to start splicing that in to, um, right before the interviews, to kind of let people know where we are. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So for the first time in our history, we paid for an advertisement because we think that people should know about us. So like we bought a billboard and it's on Spotify. So if you don't pay for Spotify,
1: Congratulations! You get to hear our ad. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, what uh, else? We're you... sponsoring the CryptoCon. Uh, it's now going to be held on the twenty third of March instead of the third of March due to unavoidable circumstances, and we will be at the Dallas Super Conference where Corey will be giving a talk about the implo. The blah, 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 blah. I'll let Corey talk about
2: that. Yeah, implications so. or social implications of blockchain <laughs> infrastructure. So basically, there you go how people interact with each other and then how that changes based on the types of technology we use and where blockchain fits into that is the idea of the
1: talk. So. <laughs> That's in two weeks. Yep. Uh, yeah. Slides I'm are pretty much finished. Go ahead.
4: I'm giving a talk in Toronto called T and Tech sponsored by TechSpark and Shopify. It's going to be dope. Go to it. <laughs> We're sold out. <laughs> <laughs> We're sold Never mind. Out, Can't go to it can't bad. go to you it yeah uh, yeah you can, sorry if you're hearing this, you can't go to it, but the event's sold out baby if you if you if you uh email uh Tamar Huggins, maybe she'll open it up, maybe we'll break some laws, get the fire marshals mad at us, I don't know it's gonna be live. This is how you pump an event when you've listened to too much hip hop music your life, when you're like <laughs> I'm gonna give it a talk, it's dope, baby, I'm dropping mics out there uh-huh. I'm dropping mics. Those are two can, uh,
2: very different pitches for talks that we just gave.
3: Which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> 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 well, good. we got to by our crowds, right? Yeah. <laughs> We've got to take out the masses.
1: And um, you, can, uh, you can catch Tina at a meeting upstairs in two minutes. Plug up. that. Indeed. Yep. Uh, right. Well,
4: got nothing else. Uh, shout That's out to sick. Overwatch. Uh, it's a good game. Um. Shout out to the Tekken series as well. Um, You guys got any shout outs, Corey? We're done. We're done here. Okay. Play (laughs) the outro.